mandates don't work. We have 83% of those who are, in, who are in the hospital today are unvaccinated Iowans. The literature being pushed on our students should disturb all of us. From Iowa Public Radio News, this is the weekly legislative podcast under the Golden Dome. The House will be in order. The 89th Iowa General Assembly resumes. The first week of any legislative session centers on announcing the priorities. That includes a new tax plan. It eliminates our complex system of multiple tax brackets and sets one tax rate of 4%. The Senate president is critical of the press and what he sees as available in some public schools. One doesn't have to look far to see the sinister agenda occurring right before our eyes. The Senate minority leader says the majority party is going in the wrong direction. Let's stop pouring gasoline on the divisive culture war and focus on getting our state back to work. Concerning the workforce shortage, the governor says unemployment benefits go on for too long. When work begins to seem optional rather than fundamental, then society begins to decay. But the Democratic House Minority Leader says solutions need to make the state welcoming to more people. Iowans will continue to leave. People will choose other states with higher wages, better housing and child care. I'm John Pemble. On this episode, it's the return of the legislative session for its scheduled 100 days. I keep telling people that I'm hoping for 90 days or less. Who's with me on that one? Anybody? Uh, I knew I could get applause for that one. This is Under the Golden Dome for the week ending January 14th, 2022. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. As we all begin 2022, I really couldn't be more hopeful about Iowa's future, and there are many reasons for my optimism. A week before the legislative session starts, Republican Governor Kim Reynolds meets with reporters to preview her priorities. As always, I'll be saving the specifics of my policy proposals for my condition of the state next week. The governor does talk a bit about her potential tax changes. We need to do it fiscally responsibly and it be fiscally responsible in how we do it. We need to make sure that we can maintain it. We have to watch our spending, but most importantly, we have to make sure that we can uh, still fund uh, priorities that are important to Iowans. The governor does not support requirements to wear a mask or be vaccinated for COVID-19. I've said all along I'm going to put my trust in Iowans to do the right thing. They've done the right thing. I'm proud of them. At the end of 2020, the number of Iowans reported to be infected with COVID-19 was 280,303. For the year 2021, it's nearly 574,000. 8,019 Iowans have died from COVID-19 as 2022 begins. Mandates don't work. The governor says vaccine mandates like those from the federal government violate Iowans' civil liberties, but the governor does promote vaccination. We've continued to say that it's our best the best thing that we can do to um, to to address uh, COVID-19, and you need to continue to educate Iowans, and then they'll make that decision going forward. But honestly, every day we're making progress with that as well. In 2021, Governor Reynolds received her first COVID vaccination during a live video broadcast. Lieutenant Governor Adam Gregg has also publicly promoted vaccination. I uh, went to a Barnstormers football game uh, and uh, got my uh, second dose. And then just recently got my booster dose uh, at, at the new Hy-Vee in Grimes. Uh, again, trying to raise awareness, encouraging folks to that the vaccine is the best way to uh, protect. Um, but we also believe that it should be people's individual choice. 
During a session preview press conference for legislative leaders, Republican Speaker of the House Pat Grassley says he encourages vaccination. I think if that's a choice that Iowans have reached uh, with their medical professionals, they think it's within their best interest. I think we've seen over the last almost two years now, Iowans are making those decisions to do that if they feel that it's uh, necessary. And so if, if they think that that's appropriate, but I don't think it's the role of the government to tell them that they shall do it to keep employment and other things like that. Unlike many of his colleagues, Speaker Grassley has not indicated if he has been vaccinated. President Joe Biden and the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, issued a requirement that businesses with 100 employees or more must be vaccinated. For unvaccinated employees, weekly COVID-19 testing is required. Iowa joined 10 other states in a lawsuit against the administration and OSHA's policy. At the time of this press conference, it was working through the United States Supreme Court. On January 13th, the U.S. Supreme Court blocked the rule declaring it exceeds OSHA's authority, but it does uphold a regulation from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services requiring vaccinations for most employees working at health care facilities that receive federal funds. During this press conference on January 4th, Speaker Grassley didn't want to announce potential legislation about COVID-19 vaccination requirements until there is a court ruling. The legislature shouldn't try to get in front and complicate this uh, uh, court cases that we're seeing work through the process. But if we need to step in, I think the legislature should stand ready. A lot of the issues that we hear, we've, so everyone here is going to mention workforce so many times today. But if you look at what we're seeing from federal, federal policy, look at the uh, 100-person mandate. You go talk to employers and talk to employees. That's just one more reason not to enter the workforce. Democratic Minority Leader Jennifer Confrist responds to Speaker Grassley by saying a sick, unvaccinated person can't go to work if they are infected. We have 83% of those who are, in, who are in the hospital today are unvaccinated Iowans. We need to spend our energy focusing on getting Iowans to get the vaccine that has been proven safe and effective, and we need to make sure that we can get out of this pandemic. And science has proven that the best way to do that is to um, get as many people vaccinated as possible. The House will be in order. One week later, the session begins. Speaker Grassley says during his opening day remarks, there are other reasons for a workforce shortage. We can't solve the workforce shortage without increasing access to quality, affordable child care. Child care is an issue that tends to get bipartisan support, and Grassley says his party started to pay more attention to it in recent years. This is not an issue that the Republican caucus or Republicans had really talked a lot up until uh, two elections ago when we had a new class of members come in that made that a priority and issue that our, our caucus needed to focus on. And I'm thankful that they did that. Democratic Minority Leader Jennifer Confrist says recent laws passed by Republican-led sessions contribute to a workforce shortage problem by making Iowa less welcoming. Iowans will continue to leave. People will choose other states with higher wages, better housing and child care, and a more welcoming climate for themselves and their families. Democrats know we can do better this session. We need bold steps to grow our workforce and keep the next generation here in Iowa. We should reward the hard work of Iowans with more money in their pockets and higher wages. Leader Confirst, uh, you and I have had many different conversations. Republican Majority Leader Matt Winschittle says most bills passed out of these chambers are non-controversial and bipartisan, but there will be some issues that aren't. 
I look forward to working with you and members of your caucus to achieve a combined agenda. Uh, we can't always agree, we get that, um, but I do look forward to having those conversations. Uh, and I'll tell you this, uh, whenever we do finally get that chance to go grab a beer, first round's on me, okay? All right. Look, we've got a lot of work to do and we've got 100 days to do it. I keep telling people that I'm hoping for 90 days or less. Who's with me on that one? Anybody? Uh, I knew I could get applause for that one. The second half of the General Assembly is scheduled for 100 days, but its rarest session ends early and often extends by a few days or a few weeks. It's now my opportunity and privilege to give some opening remarks. In the Senate, Republican Senate President Jake Chapman takes on an aggressive tone. The time has come to take a stand. It has become increasingly evident that we live in a world in which many, including our media, wish to confuse, misguide, and deceive us, calling good evil and evil good. One doesn't have to look far to see the sinister agenda occurring right before our eyes. The attack on our children is no longer hidden. Those who wish to normalize sexually deviant behavior against our children, including pedophilia and incest, are pushing this movement more than ever before. Our children should be safe and free from this atrocious assault. Senator Chapman doesn't specify during his speech how this is happening, but late last year, Chapman attended a public school meeting where parents complained about books containing sexual content. Back then, Chapman said he would change Iowa code that makes it a felony for a public school employee to make this or anything deemed obscene available to public school students. We have some teachers who are disguising sexually obscene material as desired subject matter and profess it as artistic and literary in value. The literature being pushed on our students should disturb all of us. And if you aren't disturbed, I can only hope it's because you have not actually heard or seen the content. Nobody, regardless of their race, religion, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, or occupation, has the right to expose children to obscene material. It is for that reason that this body should use this session to address this very issue. Let's stop pouring gasoline on the divisive culture war and focus on getting our state back to work. Democratic Senate's minority leader Zach Walls says Republican proposals like these do not help keep teachers in the public school system. Iowa's education crisis isn't happening because of critical race theory or books that Republicans are trying to ban. It's happening because of the extreme anti-public education policies enacted by Governor Reynolds and this Republican legislature that are driving teachers out of Iowa. It's happening because Iowa Republicans do not value the work of our hardworking public educators. Iowa's public school teachers are underpaid, underappreciated, forced to work in unsafe conditions, and because of Republican attacks on collective bargaining, they are unable to negotiate over workplace safety. But Republican Majority Leader Jack Whitford says Iowa Republicans have changed the state for the better. The five years of hard work and leadership by many of you in this chamber and the patience for our policies to work has given us a tremendous opportunity. And when given an opportunity, we must deliver. We must keep our promises to the voters who sent us to the Capitol, promises that ensure our next generation of Iowans are better off than we are. And few policies have shown more long-term growth impact than significant permanent income tax cuts. Implementing these pro-growth tax policies to make Iowa one of the fastest growing states in the country is a policy that will make a generational difference. One thing Republican and Democratic leaders agree on, 
There isn't a single or easy solution to the state's workforce shortage, but there are some proposals and suggestions that are more polarizing than others. One way the legislature moves forward is to hear what the governor wants as she delivers her condition of the state address. This is the Legislative Podcast. Under the Golden Dome, I'm John Pimple. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. In the House of Representatives chamber, both bodies meet in a joint session to hear the governor's policy priorities. For many years, the condition of the state address was held in the morning, but for the second year in a row, this is an evening speech. This is my fourth time speaking to you from this chamber on the condition of our state, and I am proud to report for the fourth time in every corner of our state, the condition of our state is strong. The governor doesn't speak much about the pandemic during her speech, but in the past, she has stated freedom is her reason for not supporting vaccine or mask mandates. We're strong because we've been guided by the lights of common sense, fairness, and freedom, by the knowledge that bold action isn't always government action. It's Iowans making their own decisions for their own families and future. The state ended the last fiscal year with a billion-dollar surplus, and there has been talk of changing taxes this year, and the governor makes a proposal. Tonight, I'll introduce a comprehensive bill that significantly cuts taxes for all Iowans. First, it eliminates our complex system of multiple tax brackets and sets one tax rate of 4%, flat and fair. This plan would be gradually implemented through 2026. While it would reduce money going to the state, Reynolds is using recent positive revenue forecasts for the next fiscal year and is counting on future years to have similar growth. The governor also proposes another tax change that will affect some retirees. Also starting next year for Iowans who have worked all their lives and saved for retirement. This bill will do even more by eliminating the taxation of retirement income. For the vast majority of retired Iowans, those who rely on their 401k, IRA, or pension, that's not just an income tax cut. It's a full income tax repeal. Governor Reynolds moves on to the workforce shortage and says unemployment benefits are part of the problem. There are so many reasons for the worker shortage, but we need to recognize in some cases it's because the government hasn't taken away, has taken away the need or desire to work. The safety net has become a hammock. Now don't mistake me. This isn't the only cause, but it's a growing problem and it's not just an economic one. There is dignity in work. It gives us meaning and purpose. So when it's degraded, when idleness is rewarded with enhanced unemployment and stimulus checks, when work begins to seem optional rather than fundamental, then society begins to decay. The governor proposes reducing the amount of time for unemployment benefits, which is presently up to 26 weeks. 
I'll be introducing a bill that lowers benefits to 16 weeks, about four months, and ensures that those collecting unemployment can't turn down suitable jobs while living on taxpayer funds. She also announces that public school teachers will receive a bonus using money from the Elementary and Secondary School Emergency Relief Fund. This is funding that comes from the Corona Aid Relief and Economic Security Act, also known as CARES. I'm proud of the tens of thousands of Iowa teachers who stayed in the classroom when so many in other states did not. And as a means of saying thank you and to help retain our teachers, I'm announcing tonight that we'll use federal ESSER funds to award $1,000 retention bonuses to teachers who stayed on the job through the pandemic and who will continue their teaching next year. The governor then accuses some educators of pushing their worldview upon students and says this is done in part by the kind of books available in the school libraries. Recently, several parents brought to light that schools are buying and teaching with books that contain vulgar and sexually explicit material involving minors. She doesn't propose there should be penalties for public school employees, but does want online access to school curriculum and the inventory of books in the library. Parents should know what their kids have access to, and they should have a timely process to address that concern. Because when parents are fully informed, they can make informed choices. The governor also proposes allocating state money to help pay for children to attend other schools, including private ones. Some involve using individualized education program funding. I'll be introducing legislation that allows middle and low-income families and students with an IEP to receive a portion of the per-pupil funds allocated annually by the state to move their child to the education of their choice. About 70%, over $5,300 of those funds will go directly into an account for families to customize their child's education. The remaining 30% will be distributed by the state to smaller school districts. Last year, the governor introduced bills that would make it mandatory for more fuel pumps to offer biofuel blends like ethanol gasoline that uses corn or biodiesel that uses soybeans. There was pushback due to the lack of infrastructure to convert rural gas stations that would be able to pump biofuels. There was also concern about the requirement for most pumps to have biofuels that contain a higher percentage of ethanol over time. This year, the governor is going to make a new proposal. The Biden administration has focused almost all of its efforts on electric vehicles, actively working to eliminate gas-powered cars. That's a mistake, especially as China works to lock up the precious metals that make EV batteries. Instead, we need to continue to embrace an all-of-the-above approach, where we support energy sources that come from right here in Iowa. To do that, I'm introducing new legislation that will improve access to E15 and B20 and upgrade Iowa's fuel infrastructure to offer higher blends. And I'm proposing that we invest in carbon capture solutions to sustain and build on our leadership in renewable energy. Let's send DC a message that can't be ignored. Let's remind them 
that America's energy is growing right here in Iowa's fields. Governor Reynolds closes by saying her agenda will make the state more inviting for new people to move in, which in turn will fill the job market and improve the economy. They'll come because here they can find freedom and opportunity because of our small towns and thriving cities. They'll come because we reward work, value personal responsibility, and care for our neighbors. Above all, they'll come because we put our faith in Iowans, and Iowans always come through. Thank you, God bless, and God bless the great state of Iowa. Republican Governor Kim Reynolds' 2022 Condition of the State Address given in the House of Representatives. The majority party in the House and Senate remains in Republican control for the sixth year by large margins. The first week of any legislative session is often about announcing priorities, and bills backing up those proposals begin to get filed. The first substantial action takes place in subcommittee meetings, which begin to pick up momentum by the second and third week. While the full Senate and House will be meeting during those times, the majority of the bills will start to come before these chambers a month into the session. Now, there are exceptions, and there will be surprises in the weeks to come. And this podcast will bring you many of those moments. Under the Golden Dome is a weekly legislative podcast that comes out at the end of the week during the legislative session. The script editor for this episode is Iowa Public Radio's news director, Michael Leland. Support and great bits of information come from the many members of the press covering the session, especially those that come from Iowa Public Radio's Statehouse correspondent, Katerina Sestarik. Digital team support is also part of this podcast. It comes from Caitlin Troutman. I'm John Pimble. Under the Golden Dome is a production of Iowa Public Radio.